Well, good morning and welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist. We are so glad that each of you are here today. I know we have many of our regulars and several guests and several guests from out of town that I have already met this morning. And so we're delighted to have each of you here today. And we truly do look forward to this special service. It is Palm Sunday. Flowers in the sanctuary are placed in memory of Lisa Beeson by her parents, Ed and Sybil Beeson. Almighty God, we thank you for another opportunity to gather together as your people. We don't take that for granted. Lord, we pray today that you would still our hearts and our minds and help us to be receptive uh, to the story in which we will hear the passion story, the story of your son, our savior, Jesus Christ. Help us as we worship today to truly be touched by Christ. Father, we pray for Sybil Beeson, for your healing hand on her and for Ed as he cares for her. Lord, we lift up Waylon Martin and continue to ask for your uh, healing touch on his little body. Father, we lift up many others who are on our mind and our hearts this morning, and we pray that you would be with them today in a very special way. Meet them and meet each of us this day at the point of our need. Father, bless the choir and candy and the musicians, our drama people as well. Father, just fill them with your spirit, and Lord, use this service in a way today to bring each of us closer to you. We thank you for the sacrifice, for the, for the life and the death of, again, our uh, your Son and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for this opportunity to worship in your house today, and we commit this time to you, asking this prayer in his name, the name of Jesus, the name above all names. Amen.
and draw close to the cross. And the Christ of the cross will draw close to you. I know it's true, for I came and was touched. Touched by the Christ of the cross. Long before he went to the cross, my heart was drawn to Jesus. At our home in Bethany, the face of my Lord was well known. You see, my brother, Lazarus, was dead. And Jesus made him alive. People from all around would come to see the dead man come back to life. We always loved it when Jesus would stop by the house with his 12 closest friends, the ones that were always with him in life. The last time that I saw the face of Jesus was as he approached Jerusalem for the greatest week of the year. All of Bethany came to our house. Lazarus was even more alive than usual. And Martha, oh Martha, my sister, she was halfway beside herself. She often is. She wanted so badly to please the Lord as he stopped on his way, but somehow I knew. I knew by the look in his eye that this trip to the holy city was not like before. And therefore, I anointed him with my own hand. I poured out all, a a vial of precious nard onto his more precious head. The oil soaked into his full brown hair and the nard ran down to sweeten his robe. I drew near to wipe his feet. I did what I could. And he knew my heart as I drew near to his place at the table. He said, She has anointed my body beforehand to prepare it for burial. Now at the time, I thought, what a morbid way to receive such a sacrificial gift. Some said it was extravagant. But now I know it was meager, far less than he deserved. For he was the Christ. He is the Christ. My hands would smell of the nard for many days thereafter. In fact, my fingers carried the scent when I cut this palm to wave for him. Blessed is the anointed one. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. How precious to know, as only I knew, that the one on the donkey, the one hailed by crowded masses with palm leaves in worship, still wore the aroma of nard from my vial as he went to the city that day. I wish I could go back to that day, that blessed triumphant day. I wish I could hear the sounds once more of jubilant praise, fragrant in my mind as the the smell of nard and the aroma of fresh cut palms. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to the Christ. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord.
Don't you dare draw near to that charlatan, to that cursed man on the cross, to that man who claimed to be equal with God himself. We're lucky to be rid of him. He's a troublemaker, rabble-rouser. That's what he was, and that's all that he was. It's a wonder lightning didn't come down on him when he uttered his poison words, I and my father are one. Such a man was far too dangerous to live among decent, God-fearing Jews. And I'm proud to say I was in on our secret plan from the first. My Lord, the high priest Caiaphas, said it clearly. Better one man should die than a whole nation follow a blasphemer. And the Romans tightened their grip. So we concocted our own plan to kill him by any convenient means we could. I look so shocked. We wouldn't have lifted our hand against him had he not lifted his first. See this whip? It's just a tangle of cords. But it can be very painful when slung about in anger. And that's what he was. He was angry that day he drove decent merchants out of the temple. Made my blood boil. When we finally found his weakest link, was a traitor among one of his 12 close friends, we gave him an opportunity to deny his claims of deity. My Lord Caiaphas asked him to explain himself, and he answered back with insolence. I was mad, so I drew close to that face and struck him with my own hand. What did it feel like to strike the man that some claimed to be the Messiah? Felt right and good.
I came near to the Christ of the cross. I was so close that I could touch him with my lips, but not my heart. In fact, I offered the kiss of fellowship to him. And when I did, he looked as though he thought it not possible. I felt compelled to turn away. Although I had been with him during many years and he fascinated me, yet his words never really touched my heart. Those words were too philosophical. They were too otherworldly. What I wanted was a Messiah who would rescue his people, not some other world. He demanded self-sacrifice, but that was not something I was willing to do. Yet he trusted me, for I was the treasurer of our band of twelve. Now, if left to my judgment, things would have been different. No costly nard to wipe someone's feet. No. And now as I look back, it all seems a waste, not a sacrifice. The goodwill of the people, he sacrificed as he drove out the money changers. He sacrificed the opportunity to answer the high priest, but he spoke defiantly against him. It was all such a waste. And yet, even now, he sacrificed the opportunity to escape to Galilee. Instead, he went to a garden to pray, even though he knew what I was going to do. He wasted his time with me. Yes, he wasted that time, a total waste. And now he is with Caiaphas, waiting there, all such a total waste. My life and my money are now my own. I have tightened the strings very tight on my purse. Very tight here. There is another chord that perhaps I will use so there will not be another wasted breath. His touch on my life was a pathetic waste, a total waste of time. He called his flock to sacrifice. Such sacrifice is always a waste.
if I put my hand in this basin, the water is troubled. And if I remove it, there is peace. I stood there and watched him as he calmed the raging storm. I heard him say with his own lips as he held up his hand, Peace, be still, as it quieted away of the bed. And when that happened, it was all so quiet. The only thing moving was a few puddles sloshing to and fro in the boat. There was peace. And now, here on this day, there's another storm raging in the depths of my heart. For I have done what I said I would not do. For just last night, he told me that I would deny him three times before the crowed twice, and I said, not I, Lord, anyone but I. I will never desert you, almost shaking him. And yet, and yet, that is what has happened. The words of his lips were made true by the curse that came from my mouth. And I denied him. As they brought the Lord from Caiaphas' court, he came outside. He was looking through the crowd for a familiar face. His eyes met mine. I knew, and he knew too. As they took him away to have trial with Pilate, I ran far and fast and I wept bitterly for what had I done? For just yet the night before, he had, been, he had come and approached me with this very basin to wash our feet. And when he had come to me, I said, no, no, Lord, you cannot put yourself in that lowly of a place. I will not hear of it. And then, and then he told me, Peter, if I do not wash your feet, you do not have any part in me. Well, at that, I told him, well, if that's the case, then from my head to my toes, wash me and make me clean. And he washed my feet still. How I long to go back to that upper room with Jesus now. I long to be back there with him and the others. But just as much as to be there, to hear him tell me again, yes, Peter, I will wash you and make you clean.
Come to me, all who are weary and heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Come to me. My soul, my soul is overcome with grief to the point of death. Stay here for a while and watch with me. Father, Father, if it be possible, take this cup from me. Yet, not as I will, but your will be done. Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son so that your Son may glorify you. For you granted me authority over all people that I might give eternal life to all those that you've given me. And now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world even began. I have manifested your name to the ones that you have given to me out of the world. And I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Father, I have given them your word, but the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more, any more than I am of the world. Father, my prayer is not that you would take them from this world, no, but that you would protect them from the evil one. Father, my prayer is not for them alone, but for all people. Come to me, all who are weary, heavily burdened. And I will give you rest. Come to me. Come to me.
Much has been spoken of the Nazarene, yet much remains untold. Puzzling, yes. He drew the attention of many from the lowliest right up to myself. He even drew the attention of my wife. Yes, that's right, Pilate's wife dreamed of the Christ. I've sent hundreds of men to hang on a cross, but only one troubled the dreams of our household have nothing to do with the blood of that innocent man, she said. She was convinced, as though she had seen the truth. <laughs> but a man cannot govern by the dreams of his wife. I have spies in all the quarters. I know that the people called him their chosen one, their Messiah. So I put the question straight to him as he stood there. Are you king of the Jews? I asked him. I looked at his bound hands. You've said it right, he said in a humble voice. For this reason was I born, and for this cause I came into the world, that all who seek the truth may hear my voice. <laughs> that really said it all. I know a little bit about truth, and for anyone to claim that all who seek it hear his voice, well, that's a bit too much for me to swallow. What is truth? I asked him, and I could have elaborated. Your truth, my truth, the truth of those whose voices are screaming outside my window. There are many competing truths. Yet I knew he did not deserve to die. I placed my hand on his shoulder, led him out on the balcony, I find no fault with him, I told them. Thousands of angry voices screamed back through the praetorium, crucify him, crucify him. Shall I release this man or Barabbas the criminal? I said to them, not this man, but Barabbas. So I did the worst I could to set him free. I had him scourged to arouse their pity. I led a robe of purple and a crown of thorns to be placed on his head to humble him and soften them up a bit, but they wouldn't hear of it. So my only revenge was the sign I had placed above his cross, not 
He claimed to be king of the Jews, as they all pleaded that it might be. I wrote the truth as he had spoken it. The king of the Jews. words for what I've seen today. The world itself cannot contain the words that need to be spoken. Can, can a mother recount in words the death of her child? Can a child of God recount in words the death of God? And yet, I must find words. I watched as he dragged a heavy cross through the streets. 
Hands that knew only kindness I saw torn with nails. Feet that walked the paths of righteousness torturously pinned to a cross. And his heart, his pure heart, pierced by their hate. Three hours he hung between heaven and earth on a cross. I remember when my boy came to me with the tiniest splinter. Stings the heart of a mother to see the suffering of her child. So, for today, for that scene on the hill, I have no words. Other words I will have to find from former days. The words of the angel still ring in my ears. Of his kingdom there shall be no end. That's, that's what Gabriel said, no end. Yet, if a cross is not an end, I don't know what it is. Words of ancient Simeon, words of warning, when we took Jesus to the temple for dedication, a sword shall pierce your heart. How did Simeon know? And yet, his words comfort me now as only truth can comfort. The words of my boy himself still ring in my ears. I, f I heard the first words his lips ever spoke. And today, I heard the last. He raised his voice with a loud cry. It is finished. But the angel said, there shall be no end. How can these words stand side by side? It is finished. There shall be no end. This box I've had in my keeping for 33 years. Jesus saw it throughout his life in our home. It was given to him by a wise man from the east as I held my little boy. It contains myrrh, embalming spice. So often, little Jesus touched my face when he was a child. Today, I touched the face of my child with this myrrh to anoint it for the shroud.
drew near to the cross as the body of my Lord hung motionless between heaven and earth. His lungs no longer gasping for a torturous breath of air. His limbs were stiff as I wrapped them in winding cloth. His skin was cold, bloodless and pale. There was no doubt that Jesus was dead. But that was Friday. And today is the first day of the new week. If anyone else would have told me, I never would have believed them. But the tomb, the tomb was empty. And this, the cloth that wrapped his head, was all that's left. A man stood near. Uh, the gardener, I assumed, screamed, where have they taken him? What have they done? But then he said my name. He said my name and I knew it was him. I fell at his feet, hoping he would never leave again. And his skin, his skin was not as it felt on Friday. It was, it was incomparable to anything else, finer than a newborn baby. Alive. Yes, it was alive, but more than alive. Vibrant life. Eternal life. Flowing through the eternal Christ, standing in resurrected power. Then I noticed them. The wounds. No longer bloody or deformed, but transformed into glorious signs of his perfect power over death. He stood before me, more alive than anyone I've ever seen. He who was dead is now alive. He said not to hold him, for he must ascend to the Father, my Father. But I do hold him. I hold him still in the depths of my heart.
How many of you have ever eaten from a honeycomb? So have I. Most of us enjoy how sweet the taste is. But when they had told me that my Lord and my Savior, who was dead and buried, had eaten from the honeycomb, I was, I believe, understandably skeptical. Would you have believed if you were in my spot? I believe that they saw something. I mean, a vision, or perhaps a stranger in the distance. But to actually insist that the Lord God Himself had been with them and eaten white fish and honeycomb, would you have believed? You wouldn't. Admit it. I only stated the obvious, that unless I can put my hands in His side where the spear went in, or my fingers in the holes in His hands from the nails, I wouldn't believe. You would have said the same thing. Admit it. But one week later, there he stood. And he reached out those hands. And I didn't need to touch him. I believed. I fell down on my knees and I said, My Lord, my God. And then he said the sweetest thing to me, sweeter even to your ears than, than the taste of the honeycomb. He said, Thomas, because you have seen, you have believed. Blessed is he who does not see and still believes. And I believe he spoke that day of you, my brother, my sister, if you believe on the Christ. He offers us a sweet gift by just a simple act of faith. A blessing that even his closest disciples never knew. And this is the sweet gift he offers. If we would draw near to the Christ, then he will draw near to us. And this Jesus, he promised that he would touch your life. He will change your life. This Jesus, this Christ, will come to dwell in you and you and him forevermore. Amen.
just three months ago today, many of you were in this very sanctuary as we welcomed, well, maybe not on that day, but near, the, near that day as we celebrated our Savior's birth. Three months ago today. Today is March the 25th. There's a verse in John chapter 12, verse 27, where Jesus said, Now my soul has become troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose, or in the King James Version says, for this cause, I have come to this hour. So Father, glorify your name. It is for this purpose, this cause, that I have come to this hour. Jesus, for this cause, was, was born for this cause, lived a sinless life, and for the cause, Christ died for your sins and for mine. This next Sunday, we celebrate Easter Sunday. I invite all of you to reflect on this week, the significance of this week. We call it the Passion Week. It began with triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, what we refer to as Palm Sunday, and through a series of events on Friday led to the death of our Savior, and then again next Sunday to the resurrection. I invite you to be with us on Thursday night for a special service called Monday Thursday. It'll be at 7 o'clock in this sanctuary. We will celebrate Passover. We'll celebrate the Lord's Supper together, and I invite you to be a very special part uh, of that service. It will truly be a special time. Let's once again give special recognition to the different groups that have led us in this passion story of Christ, our Savior. First of all, the choir. Let's thank them once again. Let us, let us thank our orchestra that is made up both of members of Boiling Springs and guests today. Our orchestra and musicians. And let us thank our drama people. I don't know if they are such that they could come out or if they are in the back or where they are, but let's give them a round of applause. And if you would like to know more about what it means to know Christ and to follow Christ, I would love more than anything to talk with you more about that following our service today. Since we do have so many guests today and I see so many new faces that I don't recognize, I want you to just to take a few moments after the service, if you will, not only to speak to those who have led us in worship today, but to maybe speak to one or two others that you do not know and introduce yourself. And again, we're glad that each of you are here today. Receive now this benediction. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory blameless with great joy, to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now, and forevermore. Amen. Amen.